So we're going to talk about things that matter in this life. What has this life taught you more so? Uh, Luke 24, 1 through 20, 12. I'll read it. Praise the Lord. Luke 24, 1 through 12. Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, there came unto the sepulchre, being bringing the spices. They came to the sepulchre bringing the spices which they had prepared, and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulchre. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed. Perplexed means confused. Thereby, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid, they bowed down their face to the earth. They said unto them, why seek ye living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of the sinful man and be crucified and be turned the third day and rise the third day again. And they remembered his words and returned from the sepulchre and told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. Ten verse says, and was Mary Magdalene and Jonah, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, and other women that were with them. Notice this. This time it was a collection of women together. There wasn't no men there. Which told these things unto the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales. Idle tales mean it sounded to them, to the apostles, that the women were just making up a story. And they believed them not. Then arose Peter and, and ran after them getting shit. And he went, all the women sat there and tell them that. Peter got up and he ran out the door to the sepulchre and stooping down to look at he he stooping down because it, the, the Lord's body was in a cave like he behold the linen clothes laid by themselves and departed wondering in himself at that which was come to pass now let's go on to that tomb of Jesus Christ de 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 declares the resurrection power that no other religion can offer. No other religion says that someone would die and resurrect themselves. God designed people to hunger for the supernatural. This is in our nature. 
Everybody hungry for the supernatural. Thus, people of all nations have have religion of one part, one sort of another, that seek to in some way to meet their needs. The one limitation common to all mankind is what? Death. Yeah. That's the one limitation. Coming to all mankind's religion, they die. Which is the focal point of many religions. If a religion can give significant meaning to death, then it can give significant meaning to life. Amen. Right? Amen. In this world, nearly 10,000 distinct religions exist in the world, and that number is steadily on the rise. Now, Many religious leaders from the making, from the past, and apparently even new ones today are claiming that they have the answer to feed what the, 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 uh, that, 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 that gnawing desire or hunger for the soul for something eternal. In you is a, is a desire to worship something. You either gonna worship the true God or you're gonna make up something or you're gonna believe some false God. But you worshiping something, even if it's self. And you're gonna see how pleasing that is. That's true if you think about it. Now, yet the leaders of the world's religion have one thing in common, the grave. We heard about this before. The final resting place. We talked about that just recently when Mother Robinson passed away. If their eyes are on the grave, it's a sad thing. You need to cry. You need to boo-hoo. You need to be, uh, you need to be sad. But if y'all have realized that there is an existence beyond the grave, and you got hope in it, you ought to be happy. The grave is no respecter of persons, though. We know that. It's icy finger grab, young and old, male and female, rich and poor, which there is no way to determine how many tears have been shed over the grave time. Some things we do know about the grave. At some point in life, nearly everyone will contribute some of their tears there. And nearly everyone will become focused on some of these tears or those tears whom they choose are planted in the grave. Of all the miracles, let's talk about this for a minute, okay? Jesus performed all kinds of miracles, right? Yes. We know it, and we talked about it. We talk, we try to re, we try to recreate it in this life. We hoping that God endow us with this power to, if someone dies, we can raise them up, praise God. And people have said from time to time, they have raised up people that have passed away. I wasn't there to see it, but I, I believe that God has set 
that type of God, he's able to do that and raise people. He, and also to turn things into what it is and make turn a crooked road straight. All these things. I believe these miracles still exist. And it's still signs are still in now. I'm like, if you don't see them in your lifetime, that don't mean they ain't performing. That is simply mean you're not privy to it. If God wants you to see it, he can make it happen. In my lifetime, I have experienced some things in my life, and I know that nothing but the miracles of God. In your lifetime, God is going to throw miracles in your way, some way, shape, or form, to remind you that he is still with you, and he is still a miracle-working God. And all these things lead up to being landmarks to keep you in the plan of God. That's your encouragement to know I'm on the right path. Every so often, we don't have a roadmap, but yet still we do. But so far on the roadmap, it says you go so far, like look naturally so in various roadmap, we realize that we go so far not having a visual roadmap, but we know that we go so far, somebody might say, you go down there, you're going to see a KFC on the right side. And if you see the KFC right down, you say, yeah, I, must, I must be on the right road because they said it's going to be there. Right. So we keep going on. And God know how to give us road marks or road uh, 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 signs in, the, in, in our journey to let us know we're on the right path. So it's not by sight, it's by faith. We believe that God said, promised that. And God has also shown the world that he was in control of all things by predicting how and when things were going to happen. He began to say, uh, uh, go, go. They said, we need to have money to pay uh, the taxes. He said, go and throw in the water and pull out the fish. And open up his mouth. He, see, it only, God is the only one that can know such a thing like that. Amen. Right? Right. He knew uh, that the fish they catch, they're going to open it up in his mouth and it's going to be some coins in his mouth. Mm -hmm. Now, look at here. So there is, so let's examine the miracles that Jesus did, for instance, for a little bit. Of all the miracles Jesus performed, victory over the grave is the most significant. Think about it. What's the most paramount, what's the most astonishing thing that Jesus ever did? It's not that he turned water into wine, not that he did this and did that, it's that he showed victory over for the, the grave. Now this power to melt the chills of death and to bring everlasting light to the deepest darkness could only come from one who himself came forth victoriously over the grave and all of its icy power. Now Jesus did this. But no other religious leader have demonstrated this type of power. Amen. I said no other religious leader. There are many that came after Jesus and called themselves leaders, but they said come to the death grip. But only Jesus Christ is the one who didn't have that deliver that showed that he had power over the grave. Right? What can deny Jesus? Lie about him? Say that he did not exist or just ignore him. But no religious leader has been able to put him back into the grave. He is risen, the Bible tells us in Luke 24 and 6. Only Jesus walked past the grave. Amen. 
So we don't have to mourn because we got a sanctified person that go in the grave. Because we really know that they just sleep. Praise the Lord. They're going to get back up into everlasting life. The resurrection demonstrates the power of life over death. Sickness, sin, even stress of a busy world today. To hear of the resurrection, however, is only part of the power. One should not only hear the story, but also live in the power of the resurrection, right? You sh it's not just a story that you need to hear, but you need to live in it. You know that's available for not the power of hearing about it to give you hope to say, I'm going to go be part of this. I'm going I'm I'm to live my life so that I can get up from it. Like Jesus, we too must walk past the grave. As you study the scripture passage dealing with the resurrection of the Lord, you should be careful to examine your own life by perhaps asking yourself the following question. You should not forget to ask yourself this. Praise the Lord. And those that we tell and those that have faith in God, maybe sometimes when you stick around with some sanctified people, ask them the question also. Am I living to the power of the resurrection? Do I really believe the words of Jesus Christ? And number three, is there evidence in my life that proves my belief? You should be able to answer yes to all these questions. If there are any questions that you're in doubt of, you, that means something you're missing. And you need to run and try to get the answer to that question. If you didn't get the Holy Ghost, you need to run and try to get that. The real power of the resurrection was demonstrated not only 2,000 years ago, but it is also today in our lives of believers. Those who refuse to succumb to the power of darkness and fight willingly and struggle hard to over, not let darkness overtake them and are willing to walk in the light of the resurrection daily prove that God is, prove that God in the flesh was victorious over the grave. Also, the spirit of God living in you, or me and us, or oh, in his people as a whole, today still is victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Any comments, questions? Amen. So, if no comments or questions, let's go on. There was a man named Joseph of Arimathea. That's it. Arimathea. That's how you pronounce that. Joseph of Arimathea was known as a counselor. Now you might say, who is this? And I ain't talking about the Joseph in the Bible that was Jesus' dad. I mean, Mary was man, man. So I'm talking about Arimathea, Joseph of Arimathea. It's talking about in the Bible. It was known as a counselor. This is talking about in Luke 23 and 50. He seemed only fitting that the one called counselor 
This seemed only fitting that the only one called counselor by the prophet Isaiah, let's talk about Isaiah 9 and 6, would be laid to rest in the tomb made by or for a counselor. Jesus was a wonderful counselor. He counseled us on life in this life and gave woken us up to the idea that there is another life after this life. The answer to all the questions of life was laid to rest in the tomb that belonged to the, a counselor who himself was in search of answers. Now this Joseph of Arimathea, he was a counselor and he wanted the answers to life. He wanted, and he counseled people to try to tell them the answer to life. But he in turn was in church of himself because he wasn't sure what exists after life. For a brief moment, this particular Joseph, the counselor, held all of life's answers in, the hand, in his hands, and then he buried him. Today, counselors show up to various traumatic events, grief counselors, children, child counselors, crisis counselors, and the list is almost endless. However, even before the resurrection, one thing was clear. This particular Joseph the counselor had something yet to learn from Jesus Christ. Right? The counselor, he had something to learn from Jesus Christ the counselor. While history has not given us the exact location where this particular Joseph was buried, we do know that he was unable to repeat the miracle of walk, walking out of the grave like Jesus did. All right? So, let's examine the boldness of this Joseph of Arimathea. This particular Joseph was unique, Joseph's unique place in history was secured by his willingness to serve Jesus. Amen. Even when it seemed there could be no benefit in it for himself. Now, we are, are in this day and time, we are dealing with people that want to serve Jesus, and really ain't no benefit in it for us. There's no payback that the Lord will give them because they refuse to get it the way the Bible says. They pick and choose, they figure, uh, uh, just going to church is what God intended. And if we just keep it like that, we're doing like the Catholic. The Catholics just go to church, but they won't change. They won't submit. They won't be baptized in Jesus' name. They won't be filled with the Holy Ghost. Catholicism doesn't teach you to be baptized in Jesus' name. And, and then, which is the total submersion. And then when they do baptize you, it's to take water and sprinkle it on your forehead and, and say in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, which still omits the name, which that's why it is no power. That's why people go and go to church there because they believe that no one is able to be arise above that. But we find out in the true plan of God, we're able to rise up, rise above that. And they, they can't understand it because the people teaching them don't understand it. So the blind is trying to lead the blind. And we know that they all don't fall in the ditch, praise the Lord. But thank, thanks be, be to God that you, God didn't bless you that you came up like that. 
Some of us maybe not, maybe not even came up in a, in a other type of religion. I had the privilege of being in there in Cleveland, Ohio, being brought up in Catholic and being able to go through that. And I thought they were right until I began to see that they, they one thing they seem to lack is power. Power to stop sin. Power to do what everything Christ said to stop doing. They lack that. And they cover it up with a cloak of no one's purpose. Now this particular Joseph had a longing for his in his soul for something eternal. Just like everybody else. We go to the uh, school of higher learning and we take education, we educate ourselves, we make money, and finally when we get everything in this life, we feel like we, we're sitting on top of the mountain. It's almost like you're sitting on top of the mountain and you're looking out over the vast accomplishments of your life and the vast uh, plane of what you possess and you say, is there any more to look forward to in this life besides saying, look at me, look what I got. Only to go down here and lose everything but sickness and death and have to pass it on to somebody else. So he began to think to himself. He was a wealthy man. Now this Joseph, he was longing in his soul for something eternal. He waited for the kingdom of God and most likely was grieved when he laid the body of Jesus into his own tomb. Our text tells calls Joseph a good man and a just man. And these values motivate him to provide as best he could for the body of Jesus. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, the governing body who consented to the death of Jesus, yet Joseph himself did not offer such consent. He was also a disciple, although perhaps not one openly at first, Amen. like people are today. You look at their Facebook, you happen to catch them off guard, and you say to yourself, I couldn't tell if they were saved. You look at who they hang around. I couldn't tell if they were saved. Now this particular Joseph's ability as a counselor did not secure his place in history. Rather, it was his love for Jesus Christ that made him noteworthy. Now, we notice him, and he was, got some attention in the Bible because he had love for Jesus. When his body, I mean, which, when he boldly approached Pilate, Pilate, the man who was ultimately responsible for the death of Jesus, he made no secret of his desire. This seems out, it's this seems out of character for a secret disciple, though. Don't it? It seems out of character. Someone's a secret disciple, one. Yet he begged for the body of Christ. With his own hand, he removed the body corpse and carefully washed and wrapped the body of Christ according to the custom of the day, of that day. In short, this suddenly bold disciple did all he could, yet this particular Joseph had no power over the grave himself. Do you? While he owned the grave, 
in which he placed the body of Jesus, he knew too that the same grave would one day own him. <laughs> he showed the utmost kindness and respect for Jesus and did all that he it, uh, all that a human could do for him under these circumstances. Circumstances of the death. He did all a human could do. We go and we see somebody that done died. We do all that humanly possible under the circumstances. We help them, assist them, we do all the things. Right? Any questions so far? Okay. Let's go on a little bit further. So let's examine this Joseph for his kindness. In many ways, this particular Joseph and Arimathias represents leadership in the church today, just as he cared for the body of Christ. Church leaders have a similar rule in caring for the body of Christ, the church, right? Although Joseph, this particular Joseph, provided a place for the body that he provided, a place for the body that I mean, he, then he provided a place for the body that he covered and tended to and was powerless to give life to. Christian leaders today care for the place where the body of Christ meets and guide the efforts to care for the body of Christ. But they still depend on the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit that, that God has through the Holy Ghost of God to bring life into that particular church. That's right. The church we in today, people will look at it now and say, this church is dead. Our beg to differ. They're walking by sight. I'm walking by faith. The life that, the, 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 the Christ that I know is a life giver. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. He can bring life into something that looks dead. See, people are looking at it and say, oh, that church is going to fold up. No, it ain't. Not if God has something to do with it. All we got to do is be on one accord, stay with the Lord, don't backslide, don't become a hypocrite, don't bring sin in the camp. And watch the Lord move. Without the breath of life, the church is like a lifeless body of Jesus Christ. No different than the nearly 1,000 other religions in the world, however. With the life of Christ in the world, however, I mean, what I'm trying to say, with, with the life of Christ's breath into the church, life overcomes death. For if that church is dead, well, with the, with the breath of Christ, life overcomes death. So this church ain't dead. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'll be able to differ. And I'm going to act like it ain't, it ain't over yet. It ain't over yet. And we ought to be like that. United we stand, divided we fall. One may go down, we still, still keep going. Another may go down, we still keep going. Amen. It's sad, but we still keep going. And this is another thing we need to learn. But what has this life taught us? Life told us that we're going to go through sadness in this life. The Bible teaches us that man born of a woman and have a few days and full of grief, full of troubles. We had we, we, we learn to deal with it, and we're teaching our children how to learn to deal with it. 
If you don't expose them to these things, they, they, they in denial, so they run from it. Any type of, that's why you see some people that would, when they face with a lot of hardship, they look for some way to, to make them feel good. Maybe food, maybe shopaholic, maybe drugs, maybe getting liquor, maybe doing something, going out and sinning and doing something to make themselves feel good for a moment. And they fail to adjust to what life is all about. This is what life is. No way did Jesus tell us that life is going to be fun, life is going to be glorious, life is going to be painless. Jesus' only word regarding this life, he said, once appointed a man to die. I've always thought about that. Have you? Why did Jesus just skip over life? I guess. Much point of you can say that much, much point of you have spring, summer, fall. You ain't gonna be down here at one point, you gonna you, you, and, that, and that's the vision of God in him. God always looked at the end of a thing even at the beginning. Yeah. When you're born, God already knows how you're gonna die. So Jesus didn't want to sugarcoat, didn't want to, he just told him, look, y'all concerned, y'all put too much stock in this life. You better, I'm gonna fast forward for you. It wasn't for another man to die. Like, why are you trying to put him in the grave already? Jesus. Some of them probably struggling, barely making enough to make ends meet. And now you're trying to put me in the grave. <laughs> and to them, grave is the end. But Jesus said, what's the point of the man to die after death judgment? I'm like, oh my God. He told me nothing. He didn't tell me what to look out for. He didn't tell me a pothole down the road. Well, life itself will teach you that. That's why I didn't address that. Life itself will teach you these things if you grow on and live. Yeah. If you ain't one that run from everything that hurts, life will teach you these things. Mm -hmm. Not only will it teach you that, it'll teach you how to deal with these things. Yeah, grief hits you like it hit everybody. Mm -hmm. And at one time, we, we intoxicated our, our body to deal with it. But now, in Christ, we've learned. See, we, that's another thing we have learned. The Lord has taught us how to deal with it. Grief. Not only that, he educated our understanding of, wow, Jesus, this, this brings everything in the focus of what Jesus said. What's the point of the man that died? Why must we die? What's the purpose? So, now, every once in a while, you're being, you're being told, you got to revisit this, this, what, this, this death situation. Whether you're in denial that it's going to happen or not. Whether you're oblivious to the point that everybody's alive, everybody's healthy. Sooner or later, you have to visit something that died, that you cared about. You got to deal with it. Amen. So in order to deal with it, we have to get the Bible to, and illuminate the scriptures to understand it. That's how we deal with things, because we understand it. There are some people that never deal with various things in their life, so when problems come, ah, I can't take it, I can't, ah, ah, ah. and the same person is right there beside him wondering, what is wrong with this person? Jesus. You just gotta do this, this, and this. Yeah, how do you know how to do that? The Lord has taught, taught you. You learn. And you learn, you learn what used to be hard now becomes easy. How? When you drive out a car and your car get a flat tire and you don't know how to change it, you go crazy. Mm -hmm. 
But if you learn how to take care of them, how to get the car, now it, 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 it ain't nothing to go crazy about. You just, oh man, I did this before. I had this problem before. I just gotta go. I don't want to deal with it, but I just gotta go deal with it. And you go and deal with it. So, you, and then you see, it ain't no reason to go crazy. Right? Mm -hmm. So, you don't get a flat tire and after, oh man, I can't take it. Let me go get drunk. Let me go. You don't go all crazy. You just go out and you deal with it. That means you learn something. You learn that in this life things happen, but you must learn to deal with it. We must also learn how to deal with death. Us older ones seem like we learned it. Save one save. Some people learn how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And us in the church, we learned it because Christ made us face it early yeah. about his death. Amen. And sometimes we don't think we're going to have to deal with it till someone that we love dies. Right. <laughs> and then we're like, we have to deal with that. Mm -hmm. Because sooner or later, one of our loved ones dies, we have to deal with it. Are we going to lean on what the world lean on? Are we going to lean on what the Bible Jesus. Jesus. That's something else we learn. How to cope. You can either be a blessing to someone to help them over this, or you add to the, the misery and the suffering and the pain and the hurt and the anguish and the rejection of Jesus at this point. Well, if the Lord allowed it that, why? God is right. When does it say, God, you ain't gonna never die? He said, once appointed no man to die. Mm -hmm. Meaning that when you're alive, you need to be prepared for the next point in your life. Now, mm -hmm. I'm not saying the minute you go get a job, you, you need to go get your life insurance policy. But you should be prepared for the next stage. And if you really think about it, you have always been doing that. Because you, 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 you go to high, you go to elementary, you go to middle school, you go to high school, then you get out, you say, I'm gonna go to college. You, know, you prepare for the next stage of employment so that you can make money, to make, that you can make a living. And then do that, and you make enough money, you say, I need to put a little bit aside for a rainy day, not knowing what the rainy day is, or whatever day. You put a little bit aside, you pay your tithe, and do what the Lord says. With his money, and God say, I'm gonna let you have a rest, you do what you say with your money. But you still say to yourself, I need to get a little policy. And most people that I know that got a policy, they say it's to ease the burden on those that we leave it. That's most of the time I mean, and most of them are they don't learn what life is about. They learn that one day they're gonna leave here and they get a policy, not that, you know, if it not that they get that they get a policy because they got so much money they don't know what to do with it. They get a policy because they know that they wake up to the fact that one day I'm gonna die. And I don't want my loved one to have to deal with this. There's gonna be enough dealing with that that I died. And the fact that I died and I left a big bill on their head. Made it even worse. So they get a little policy. And most people that got a policy is to help those that are left behind. Yeah. Think about it. Left, somebody is left behind. And nothing feels more satisfying 
that when someone dies that you care about, they left a policy mm -hmm. enough to cover their funeral and also get you a little something for you and your family. Mm -hmm. That's a good feeling. Sometimes they go as far as even got the burial spot, funeral, right? everything. That feels good. All in the attempt to make your life less burdened. You learn something. You people. I am. Had I not listened to my wife, I wouldn't have no party today. Mm. I'd have got in the spit. He said, honey, we need to get this. And as much as I like to assert myself as being the head of the house, you, I ain't gonna let this woman tell me what to do. I must give her a problem. I thank God that she got my attention. Mm -hmm. So I can't shut her down this time in my life because I didn't shut it in down back then and it paid off. Not that I say everything we did invested in paid off, but in most cases the good outweighed the bad. Right, honey? Okay, so that's just something. I, I don't know where I went. Examine the kindness of Aaron. So, God, He's going to breathe into us the, the life back into the church. Don't, don't, don't get all caught up on I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. You, got to, no, you ain't got enough power to do it on your own. Mm -hmm. God's going to do it for you. He's going to see the love we have for one another. But this, all men should know that we are the type because we have love one for another. You see the love that we show for Mother Bob, even those that work to confess the Holy Ghost have some desire to come back to the church. Now, rather they come, this is totally different story. But we did put an idea for them to say, hey, look, I'm thinking about it. Even if they ain't a member of the church, they still say, man, they, they so kind people. I need to be connected with people like that. Not just so I can get a good bearer of But I need to be connected with that. But I tell you to say, it makes you make wise choices. It makes you examine the choices that you make that you can make better choices. Because no, every good choice still reminds we need to sometimes repay that choice of business and make sure that we that we look over that choice every once in a while and say, that was a good choice, that was a business. Or, you know, it's almost like we got that annuity service a long time ago. And we later on we went back and we paid, looked at it and said, oh, let's let's pay that a business. And we realized that wasn't a good investment. And we served that. Every once in a while you have to look at your investment in Christ and see is this a good investment? It can't, you can't say it's a good investment when the church is full. You know, everybody, you know, people don't want to come no more, but something comes and make people don't want to come. And you say, well, you know, that was a bad investment. You to say, coming to the Lord, that was a bad No, it ain't. No way. Okay, back to everything. This joke of everything. Let's talk about him a little bit more. Okay? Uh, so we study Jesus. We study him enough. If we study him enough, we begin to see something. Um, 
Jesus foretold us the resurrection many times, yet it remained a mystery to those that followed it. They didn't believe it. They didn't understand it. They didn't know what he was talking about. And you tell people about being saved, sanctified, people in the church, people all ago, they, they, they don't know what you're talking about. It's almost, you would think at some given point, they said, what do you mean by this being filled with the Holy Ghost? But they don't ask these questions. Is it they don't understand it or they, you know, you ever been around somebody that's talking about something and you and you there with, with the, in the crowd and they're talking about it? And you just ain't a clue. You ain't got a clue what they're talking about. So you you feel like you there wanting to have a com conversation with these three or four people or five people, but you you can't because you don't know what they're talking about. So you just get quiet and just listen. You, you listen to this. You hear talk first talk, and after talking, they trying. And you, so you you pretty much doing one of these numbers. But in your brain, you don't have to feel dumb. There's some moments like me, I can't say that. I was talking about fishing. My wife knows about fishing. She knows about basketball. She knows about football. She knows about baseball. My wife knows a lot of stuff. It's almost like we're talking about something that she, they have nothing about. I can talk about computers with you. And my wife, she knows a little bit about computers, but if we get to a certain thing, she probably wouldn't know what we're talking about. But she'd be, even, like, we sit around the dinner table talking. She wouldn't know what we're talking about. And it's, that's how people are. Now, now, now. So, Jesus foretold of his resurrection, but people didn't get it. He told them about the uh, 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 tearing down of the temple and rebuilding it three, in three days. Right? We know it. We heard that in the scripture. We, we know that he was talking about his own body. He was talking about the cross and the resurrection. But the disciples stumbled at that and believed only that he spoke of the building. The temple of Jerusalem. Now, we read of the gospel already knowing the outcome, but they heard the words of Jesus without knowing the end of the story. Uh, after knowing what we do about Jesus, we should be careful that we do not miss the power of the resurrection like the disciples did. They had no idea. They heard him talk. They heard him pronounce. They know everything he said happened. But when he, they, when he got, when they killed him and put him in the grave, they thought that was it. They didn't know it. He's just like everybody else that come along and say things. And no one demonstrated power over the grave. No one. Praise the Lord. Any comment? Praise the Lord. Notice the devotion of the women. Now, we're back to the women. Earlier I said, notice it was the crowd of women that went to the tomb. Amen. Now, the comparison and devotion of the women to Jesus is obvious. There are some things I'm going to point out. They carefully noted where the body of Jesus was laid. This is what the women did. The women carefully noted where the body of Jesus was. 
and went about the process of embalming it. Now they embalmed it that way. We embalmed it now this way. The embalming process may be different now than it was back then. Mm -hmm. But according to how life was back then, their way of embalming a body was that way. Our way of embalming a body is this way. This was a small gesture as they too were doing all they could do for the crucified Christ. They went, you see about the and the Bible said they, they brought incense to the body, right? That's what they do, because they didn't have a way to embalm it like now. They, they didn't want the body to be smelling. They knew that people died, they started to stink. So they had brought their little purpose, their little, you know, things to freshen up the body so it don't stink so bad, no, you know. Now, any comments, questions so far? Anybody? Okay, moving on. Amen. Now, notice how confused the women were. Let's backtrack just a teeny bit. The women were very, they weren't just a little confused, they were very confused. You might say, in what way were the women confused? The angel of the tomb reminded the women they wasn't talking to the angel of the tomb. wasn't talking to the men. They were talking to the women. Remember how he spoke unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, "The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day shall rise again." And they remembered his words, Luke twenty-four six and eight. Jesus told them he would be crucified and would be resurrected. He even told them it would happen on the third day. But for some reason, both the women and the disciples failed to grasp the message. It would seem as if they believed what Jesus told them. It would seem that if they believed what Jesus had told them, they would have been eagerly awaiting for the resurrection. But they didn't believe. They really didn't believe Jesus was going to get up. They just thought this was the rampant of some guy, which he didn't demonstrate he was foolish or crazy uh, because of the stuff he did. If anything, it demonstrated that he had power and water in him. What kind of man? What, what man does he raise the dead? He stopped to walk on water? What is anything this man can't do? It wasn't a magic trick. Because no magician in that day couldn't, couldn't do the things he did. Bring the dead back to life. Now, so, you would think they were eagerly awaiting the resurrection when they saw him crucified. Instead, they began preparing the body for eternity in the grave. That's what the world does. So while they all getting sad and preparing the body for eternity in the grave, we there trying to assist them to let them ever and, and our attempt to help them is to ease, ease the burden. But we also trying to remind them that hey, it don't end it don't end there. You think it ends there. We know it don't. Right? There's what they think, and that's what we know. 
Because if we didn't know it, we wouldn't be living this life. If we thought that that was the end of life, if I thought in my heart that was the end of life, I wouldn't be here today. I said, <laughs> nice knowing y'all, but y'all on y'all own. I love you, but I'll see you later. But I know it for a fact. It is true. Now, you may say, how do you know for a fact? Blessed is he that believes and has not seen. I just believe. If maybe if this boiled down to, I spoke in tongues. I got the Holy Ghost, just like the Bible says. Mm -hmm. That makes the whole word of God true. That's right. That's right. That makes it whole thing true. Whole thing. I ain't got to be there to see this. See, I didn't have right. to see God divide the Red Sea and the. I ain't got to see these arrays. I didn't have to be there to see them walk with the water. But because I spoke in tongues, and that's something that the Bible says they were speaking new tongues, the Spirit of God there. And then going in the Holy Ghost by the inside, Acts 238 clarifies that. And I, that happened to me. That clarified. If I don't ever see another miracle in my life, if I don't ever see no nothing else that makes me say, is there God? I know I spoke in tongues. That makes the word of God true. That's the seal of redemption. That's the seal yeah, that's going to hold you to, to the, to, and keep you holding fast to the end. Now, when the Bible says hold fast to the end, that means there are two ends that just possibly come. This The end of your life and the end, meaning the eternal world, the end of the world. They're both coming no. because flesh and blood can't go up. So your life is going to end. And this world one day going to end. Whether you be or not, it's insignificant. It don't matter. I don't want to taste death. Well, you ain't going in heaven like that. You got to get out this body. Amen. And this body is chained to this world. Amen. And the feelings that this world brings. And the reaction, the sadness, the grief, the hurt, the pain, the ups and the downs, the spring, summer of your life, fall and the old age part, the backache and the, the, the happiness and the sadness. But God said, I'm a, you have to pick door number one, which is this world, or door number two, my world. Maybe you can say door number three, which is hell, but I not to think. The clean of this world, you're going to end up in hell. The best to pick door number two. So when they saw his first two prophecies regarding bring, being, being turned over to sinful man and being crucified, they should have immediately prepared for the third thing he prophesied was the resurrection, but they didn't. While the women were doing all they could do in the flesh for Jesus, their actions showed they did not really believe what Jesus told them. And that's what's going on now. We tell people about getting saved. We tell people about, you need to come on and give the Lord your life. You need to surrender your life. Give them your heart. Don't come up there with a form of surrendering your heart. Really Oh, expose your heart. And they come up there with this fake facade like they really giving their life over to the Lord. If you really give your life over to the Lord, every time the church opens, you're going to try to be here. Every time there's something doing, you attain unto Jesus, you're going to be there. You're trying to not just show us. You need to be trying to show God because we're going to be here today and we'll probably be dead one day tomorrow. Now, tomorrow means as time goes on and God's delay is coming, we're going to eventually die. But you still have to deal with you and God. That's right. 
So you need to be showing God that, that Lord, I serve, I'm serving you. That these loved ones I, I cared about, they came and they gone, but my trust was in you. My life was in you. I, I, I got hold of the resurrection and realized that after death, they won't be saved. So I don't have to go down and grieve and tell them, I'm going to go back and kill mom and dad. I know that they're going to be in the resurrection. I know that lifestyle. And I want to be where they at, Lord. I want to live that life that I can be an encouragement to somebody else. So when, when I go down, someone else can be encouraged. They can stand up boldly and say, I don't have to weep like you do, brother and sister, because I'm saved, sanctified, and I believe that where they're going to go, praise the Lord, is in a better place where there's no weeping, no sorrow. God's going to wipe away every tear from their eye, praise the Lord. And it starts right down here. Amen. Amen. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Thank you. You don't have to wait till you go back. It starts down here. People said, Felton, how was you able to you look just Mother Robinson? I said, I had to go in prayer. I said, Lord, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I said, Lord, I can't do this. I, I couldn't sleep. Got up 4 o'clock in the morning. I went in and I just cried to the Lord. Lord, I can't do this. And the Lord spoke to me and said, focus your mind. Stop looking at what you see with your eyes. Mm -hmm. I want you to look like, remember, look at me, focus your eyes on me, not yeah. the grave yeah. on me. Yeah. And every time I begin to focus my attention on Sister Robinson, I felt, I felt that whim or that, 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 that sadness and stuff coming out. Oh, Lord, I, I, I kept my eyes focused on the scripture. I can hear the Lord saying, keep your eyes on me or you're going to sing. God's on me, he won't sing. And I said, I can keep my eyes on the Lord. And that's the same with us. When we keep our eyes on, on the Lord, we'll make it to the end. Some of us will be maybe scared of how we're going to end. Is it how much pain we got to endure? It don't matter. You need to be able to work out. God is going to want to allow you, and he's going to put more than you're able to bear. And the thing is, when you make it there, God going to have brought you there. That's right. You don't have to worry. You don't have to wonder. It's God who's going to do it. But they, back then, they didn't understand it. The women were just preparing for the bear. But they didn't see why, what, what the Lord had told them. They, they, they didn't see. The thing is, now, this is the icing on the cake. When Jesus was telling them, he would talk about his, his being Thursday, he was talking to the men, he wasn't addressing the women. The women weren't there at the time. When he was telling my old, oh, oh, telling, giving them instruction. Women had to get that from us, the instruction. So we can see them going and preparing body, but the disciples, they was right there saying, oh, Jesus did. Now, now, so they, they didn't prepare themselves. So, this is how the women behaved because they weren't there with Jesus. But the disciples should have been there correcting them, saying, hey, look, the Lord said he's coming back. You would think one of them would have been there waiting. One, none of them believed he was coming back. Actually, some of them went back to doing what they used to do. Their previous occupation. Didn't believe that Jesus was going to come back. Mm -hmm. Praise the Lord. Praise Are there people... Confused today. Just like this. Yes. Yeah. 
In what way? I right, confused. Some think that, like the the women, you know, it's it's like I don't believe he he coming back. It's it's you know the world still been going on, and they believe that it's gonna continue to go on as it's been going on. It's not true. He's not coming back. Yep, they don't believe he's coming back. I'm almost finished with this stuff. Give me that. Five more minutes. Now. If we didn't care if we're asking to show that we don't really believe you, if people really believe Jesus was coming back or he died or if they just turned to these past people who were trying to live Nobody would be backsliding. The backsliders will wake up and they they will be coming, oh, I don't know what we're out there. I don't know how the Lord, devil tricked me. And it, but we, we, we still praying that that can happen now. That can happen. That can happen. I can restore them, but if they really believe that they would, they would, they would. But a lot of them are following people around their actions. They see how you behave, and they're gonna follow you. If you come, I'll come. If you stop, I'll stop. Look ahead. After the angels reminded the women of the tomb. And the words of Jesus. They left the gravesite to tell the disciples and the rest. However, the disciples did not believe them either. We can easily understand why Peter and the other disciples did not believe the story of embalming and of the embalming crew. But we must remember that Jesus had told them the same story earlier. Now it may seem that a mystical, it may seem like a mystical story when Jesus had attempted to prepare them, yet they remained unprepared to face the truth. We tell people all the time when they get saved, you might die after this. I, I remember Mother Robin said, Mother Lot said that. When you come over to the state of the Lord till you die. We don't really think we're going to die in this. Praise Lord. And if anything, life teaches us that it ain't always what, you, what it looked like. It looked like that one should have went and this one went. You can't go by what it looked like. Amen. So many times it looked like this one was going and that one went. I see it at my job all the time. I see Now I see it in real life with people that, that close, I'm closer to. And I said, man, sometimes it looks like it's going to be. Like most of us say, well, we saw Mother Plunkett. But, it's, you know, I, we saw that because we realized she's up in age. And she, we kind of like, well, it's not a sad thing because she lived a good life. But we didn't see this coming. I didn't see her current coming. Jesus. But we know that we come over here to stay, Lord, till we die. We are here. So we understand that. Uh, before we label the disciples and the women as faithless people, we must, we may need to examine our belief about the soon to return Lord. He said he would return for those who love his appearing 
And we should be eagerly anticipating that day of yeah. living, living yeah. like he, it could be a thousand years away. Yeah. We, 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 we got to be ready. We got to be anticipating and saying, I can't wait till the Lord come. The women and the disciples were very close to Jesus in the flesh, yet they missed the resurrection. Not nothing, noting such, we should make certain that we are found with faith when the Lord returns. We got to make sure that we're ready. We can't make other people get ready. But we can show them the urgency of getting ready. Right? You can't make people do that. But people see your life day in and day out and say, I know this something. You don't act like the typical person of your character or of your hearing. You don't act that way. You conduct yourself in a totally different manner. And this is not something that you learn by going to college. This is not you act that it's not that you act like you went to college. Because this this way you can act you will act this way if you ain't went to college. They got a degree. Because you know that this is what being like Christ. for the better. So I don't understand why people would say that it's not right. It's not. I don't get it. If they don't get it, then I mean they really haven't got God yet. They really haven't got saved yet. They really haven't embraced salvation yet. Because if they did, they will understand what this life, what what has this life begin to teach us. Until then, we must still be that example for them. Sometimes it's not a rewarding, it's not a pat on the back life, but it's going to pay off in the end. This life teaches us that. Don't give up. Don't surrender. Always do the right thing. Regardless of what we think of the reward, whether the rewards are big or little, do the right thing. And be happy that you choose to do the right thing. It will pay off in the end. I hope I've said something to steer you in the right direction, encourage you, and help you be reminded that this life is worth teaching others.